Chalky Boy Chalk. Oh, wow. out- yeah, welcome to the studio. Oh, Mahalos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We, so we talked with you last week and uh, at, at the Kauai Museum. And you kind of took us on a nice little journey, journey through like some his, historic stuff that honestly I never know. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Having you on is probably, we've had a bunch of people on and like we like all of them, but yeah. we're pretty stoked about this one because for us, it's choke like learning, yeah, like learning about stuff that like I don't know, <laughs> and maybe I should, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like maybe like that's my responsibility to like learn that kind of stuff. So, so I'm pretty excited about just hearing all the stuff that you have, all the like wealth of information, you know. Sure, um, I'll feed off you of you guys. Yes. So, um. You know, for, for those of you tuning in at home, um, all over the United States and, and just in, in the world in general, maybe even outer space, Chucky Boy, this, this podcast, you go all over the place, boo. Um, for those of you tuning in, I just want to um, kind of just introduce our, our very special guest, Chucky Boy Chalk. He's the director of the Kauai Museum here on the Garden Island. Yep. Um, and Chucky Boy, how, how you got started in, in you know I mean, were you always into history you, you mean and, and well, well where are you from chucky boy where are you from bro? originally yeah from kane Ohe, originally okay. east side boy yeah 100 yeah. oh. percent <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay kane Ohe. valley <laughs> yeah. what valley is that haiku haiku okay hey it, haiku oh stairway to heaven over there huh? oh that's our Backyard. For real? <laughs> oh, yeah. We would run up and down that place. Wow. But we would get tired and call our uncle. He ran the um, cable car at the time. Okay. The yellow cable car. Wait, they used to have a cable car? Uh, yeah. You could just go up? Well, they would take all of the um, the, the who's who to maintain the um, the antennas up there. Okay. Oh. For the Navy. How high up used to go? All the way? About nine football fields. Somewhere around oh, there. God. Just kind of guesstimation. Yeah. yeah. I play football, so I get it. Oh, okay. okay. 50,000 yeah. rulers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that is how much you had to run when you got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, guys. Bro. Yeah, I, I, went to, um, I went to one of the, one of the start trails um, a few years back, and then, oh, bro, but... We just said go for check them out. It was all gated off and stuff. Hold on, the auntie over there who lives at the end of the cul-de-sac, she had scream at us. Who are you related? I think it's my cousin. For real. <laughs> they get dogs. For real. Uh, she, they get be. dogs. That, that whole area before anyone moved in was all family. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, to her defense, I mean, she... You know what I mean? She she was saying that um, when that hike had blow up and stuff, they couldn't even leave for get to work. You know, there was cars parked all double, double blocking them. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that became a yeah. That's a major problem. Okay, so you from Kaneohe originally? Yes, sir. How was that growing up? Growing up on that side, you know? No, our family is from there, and so the entire Ahupua, as we say, um, the valley um, is all family. It's grandpa's children. Cousins, aunties, uncles. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we had our own swimming area, our swimming pond, our pond called Makawili Wili. Okay. And if you say Makawili Wili, everyone knows where you're from. Oh, okay. It's one of those zones where if you know, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But most families had their own swimming holes. That's where you learn how to swim. 
Yeah. Even if you don't know, they throw you in. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If my father listened, he would say, yep. Yeah. <laughs> the 10 feet he threw me. Yeah. <laughs> the deep oh. end. <laughs> Even the shallow end, they go like press. <laughs> okay. And then, so from Kaneohe, yep. um, your family is from there. When when did you make your trek to the Garden Island? 1989, to be exact. It was, uh, I did a concert at the Shell, and it became my final concert. At the Shell? Yep. Okay. And then you came to Kauai? Mm-hmm. And never went back. Oh, wow. I met my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Smart move, Rada. <laughs> yeah. <There you> go. <laughs> so... You said you did one show at Shell. What what kind of... Um, oh, well, it was a fundraiser, I think, for Hawaii Canoe Racing Association, OHCRA, the state uh, for the state races. They were raising funds, head to Molokai for the state races. Okay. Nice, and, nice. Um, So the concert was there, and the billing was good because it had his... Uh, Makaha Sons, Olomana... Just neat Hawaiian bands. Yeah, yeah. No, all the yeah. classic. All the hitters, yeah, yeah, back then. So that one I teamed up with my cousin. So it was my cousin Teresa, Teresa Bright and I. And on bass we had this guy named Kata, Kata Maduli. Okay. Oh, cool. Kata Maduli, who is McKenna Maduli to him? McKenna is his daughter. Oh, wow. All right on. Mean. Right on, Sister McKenna. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I worked with her before. On she, sure. she get her own show. Yeah, yeah. She doing a real show, you know. <laughs> but um, Little studio. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Perfect. Yeah. There sorry. we go. Sorry. No, no, oh. it's not your fault. The things are sensitive. These you, like start again. We can. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We're all good. Hey, hey yeah. Chucky boy. And guess what? The power with this technology. We just had start again. <laughs> like, like, you're not gonna even notice the difference when you watch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's gonna be like oh. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, Appreciate you're not going to notice nothing. Yeah, we don't like you yell because, you know, when yeah. you talk, you just sound real smooth. You get one real nice. nice C note. I just think you know the show right now. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You played music and stuff. And when we were at Koi Museum, you said that you were friends with Kalapana or you pr- played with them or ple- what was that again? Well, DJ and I, um, the lead guitarist. Yes. In fact, we were all friends, Mac. In fact, I met my ma- my wife through Mackie and his wife. Wow. Mackie Ferry. Okay. At her birthday. Who's, oh, your, your wife's birthday. Mackie's wife and my wife were friends. Okay. And at the party, we were the only ones that were single. Aye! <laughs> and, and ready to mingle, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like time. <laughs> okay. How old you was? I don't remember. I don't know, thirty something. Okay. Oh, yeah. one young. Oh yeah, one young yeah. lion. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> one mano in the water, just just <laughs> hunting for the blood. <laughs> no, so can you recall that night? Was there a lot? Was there singing? Oh, yeah. Were you winking? Oh. You know. I, I remember um, that night um, after the concert, we went to a friend's house, which we normally do. You gather, and so it was Mac. So just the people that played at the concert. Okay. The musicians gather. Just, you know, just like good old Mackie, he'll play all night and all day just play music. He'll just, he's a radio. He, he's a librarian of any songs. Wow. We just sit around and talk story. Mm-hmm. Kind of critique the night. Bro, that must have been so mean. Well, it was like kind of a, 
would you say it was kind of like a small circle back in the day, like the musician scene? Yeah, you had your little... Like everybody um, kind of, like at least somewhat knew each other, acquaintances. I think there was a guy named Crash Kealoha. He was the founder of, ha- of the Hawaii Academy of Recording Artists, um, what is, what they call the Hoku Awards. It was linked to Crash. Crash was the glue to everybody. Mm. In the old days, it was called KCCN Radio, and that was the, the main oh, Hawaiian radio station. yeah. And um, for all musicians, if you get your song on that station, you hit a home run. Oh, wow. Yeah, they used to have concerts at uh, Coco Palms when I was a kid. Ah. Because I remember my dad would, like, close. The, he used to own a flower shop. Sure. They would close, and then all the, every, all the employees and us would go. And it was always, like, kind of that zone right there, um, Coco Palms. Well, everybody loved Coco Palms back in the day. And they were great hosts. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, but Kauai was always, it was always a running joke back in Honolulu. If you're playing Kauai, be prepared to be back in the 60s. <laughs> How come? It's just Cause it was. the vibe. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you mean. Because it was. Old school. <laughs> old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of grass. <laughs> That's the thing. Not that much speakers. Different, different from doing concerts in Maui. It's like Honolulu. I mean, you got... Crazy fans, fanatics. Mm-hmm. You come to Kauai, it's like, oh, how's it, brothers? You know, just laid yeah. back, laid back. That's nice. Yeah. So you come here, it's like coming to a, a bigger Molokai. Mm, yes. Yeah. 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 Real. Minus it. all the deer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At, but guess what? We get hot bread now. They, they come over here. <laughs> they <bring laughs> trip out. They sell them on the side of the road over here. That. Yeah. <laughs> what a blueberry cream cheese all day long, oh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, knock yeah. on that metal door until they answer. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh mean. That's cool. And you would um play music with them often, link well, up. Uh, yeah, after hours, because we all had our own bands. Another thing about that times was uh didn't have people like you. If you there was one guy, the entertainment section in a newspaper, his name was Wayne Harada. And Wayne Harada was the guy that put you on the map. So it was Crash on radio, Wayne in print ad in media. If Wayne mentioned your name, it's an endorsement. You're set, yeah. Then the doors are open. Oh, wow. Wide open. Um, so people are always looking at his column. One of those things in music, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting because we do talk about music back in the day and just the access to it and how and how you would find it or you mean here or, or back in the day yeah the producers the record producers were always on the lookout it's not like today where you can record at home and put it on youtube if you had or a, something yeah if you had a producer that's another gauge so the gauges were producer mm-hmm. crash because he plays your music on air yeah and uh, wayne harada yeah. and then other other um entertainment um writers came in um, after that you write you write a lot yeah still to this day yeah i continue to write that's something i just love mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything but i i, cons- I consistently write and arrange music nice. about what i see now today <laughs> oh observational wow. yeah and it goes on the shelf <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but it, uh, people come calling mm-hmm. and i said okay let me dust some of these songs off here what are some of what what are some songs and i think 
maybe some listeners would be super in, I mean it's it's interesting what are some songs that you have written or have been a part of that you think people might not know that that are that still play today um there's a couple that for example a part of Polynesian Voyaging Society mm-hmm. and um, it's always great to support that organization I'm on the fundraising side and so I teamed up with Jack Johnson and uh, Paula Funga wrote a song and we recorded it and then we played it in New York it was a great fundraiser. Yeah, that that was a <coughs> fun experience. And I think another one is, that right off the top of my head, is if Iz was alive today, we were preparing him to do a concert in Japan. And um, so I wrote a sumo, the first sumo song for him, with him. <coughs> uh, if you hear it, it's the hook is the Akibono, Sashimaru, and Konishiki. Okay, but it's to honor our local sumotori. Yeah. And uh, it was an instant hit. So now you prepare for his concert. And of course, Izzy looks like one of them. He looks like a sumotori, right? Yeah. Right? So a neat story behind that one is when they put um, mentioned that he's coming to do a concert, it was sold out like in half an hour, I think 150,000. Holy seats. crap. Yeah, that's crazy. That That's <laughs> mental. Yeah. That's in half an hour. Oh, that Japan market different, no? Yeah, and then you know, and it, but he got sick, mm. and he went to the hospital. He never came out. Oh, but he did finish the recordings and stuff, but he never came out. And then, um, <clears throat> if anything, those two songs, and the other one was that I enjoyed a, a lot is writing, uh, penning a song with Nolan, brother Nolan. Yeah, and that was also a fundraiser for the uh, Voyaging Society. Just a simple title, Hokulea Hikianolia. And, uh, but it's a neat song, fun song. So, if anything, those three songs I, I had fun doing. Interesting. Yeah. This is a personal question. What, what was your um, connection or relationship with Brada Is Them? Oh, I can tell you many stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm all ears. All you know, ears. Yeah, all ears. yeah. Because I do, I see some videos of him performing live at Waikiki Shell on Facebook sometimes, and I'm like, man, I just wish I, um, I wish I was able to, you know. You would hit it off with him. He was very witty, fast, and just fun. He was 24-7 crazy. Naturally witty, that's why. And, but there's some stories I can share, but I think right off the top of my head, is um, Keaau Beach. He had a little, like a shanty town, a shack. Mm-hmm. One of those beach shacks. This is before that homeless beach, you know what I mean? Before he had people there. Yeah. And But he had his own beach shack. And when they weren't playing, that's where his was. Mm-hmm. It was down at Keaau. It's before Yokohama, past surfing beach in Makaha. Okay. And... <clears throat> He was one of the greatest body surfers. When he was in the water, everybody gets out. Oh, wow. Because you want to watch him body surf. His beautiful brown skin just kind of. And at KL, the body surfing, the waves there were just like made for his. It's Mm -hmm. like he called for those waves. And he would just float to that wave. He was such a great body surfer that not many knew. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but it was a beauty, beautiful thing to watch. And his skin on the, just shine. I always remember that, how beautiful his skin was. And what else after that? You just 
and they hear, okay, brothers, go catch the fish and whatever. He, and they go all diving and stuff. And he plays all day and night, play music, just sing. He just sings and sings and sings. And, of course, in between every song, there's crazy jokes, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was always fun to be around. He did have the serious side. In fact, the story is I introduced Dickie Chang. Dickie wanted to interview him. So we flew over from mm-hmm. here. And on camera, Dickie says, if, in fact, off camera, Izzy said, do not talk about my family. You can go anywhere with your questions, but don't ask questions about my family. I guess Dickie forgot. <laughs> he said, tell me, about, tell me about your wife and daughter. Izzy moved the mic. Oh, grabbed him and said what I told you. And I, I won't say the rest, but it wasn't a nice thing. To yeah. Say. It's like, oops. I. Yeah, yeah. But it's the first time I've seen him do something like that. But he's real. He's, he has no filter. Mm. So if he says something, he means it. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, good guy. Always fun. Many, 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 many stories. We've done a lot of, we did a lot of concerts together. Um, throughout the islands. We all had this friend, Charlie Russell, on Maui. Every year they would do a fundraiser. Half of the funds would go to the softball team, and the other half would go to some nonprofit. They made a lot of money. It was big. Yeah. But it was the days when we, Aloha Airlines would take, in fact, Aloha Airlines were the, the only airlines that would take Izzy because he needed a forklift. They did that for years, years and years. They needed to lift him up onto the plane. Hawaiian Air wouldn't do that. So he only rode Aloha. Wow. And But it, these were the days. Didn't have TSA or high security. So when we go to Maui, and Charlie Russell was the owner of uh, Trans-Hawaiian. Trans-Hawaiian. Buses. Um, I got to be careful of what I say. <laughs> mm. <laughs> hey, all good. Because <laughs> everything was done in cash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so... <laughs> These were days when we the plane lands, the limousine comes right to the stairs. Oh, some red carpet kind of stuff. Huh? Full yeah. on, because it was Charlie. Oh, yeah. And who was the security? Maui's best. The police department was security. MPD. Yeah. Oh, MPD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, la la. But anyway, the night went on. But it was Pat's party. And it was a party that El Pacino would enjoy that level. That level. Anyway, and so, but it was memorable because is, he thought, Pat Morito was funny. Is had him spinning on his yeah, finger. Yeah, <laughs> But those were really, really, really fun days. And the music was, was wide open. Not all the same style music. And one of the, I guess one of the oldest bands now is Olomana. You get the Macau Sons, but not the original. Mm. Yeah. Also, Olomana is original. Well, Bowman died too. Mm. Uh, Robert, you know, Olomana was Robert Bowman and Okay. And Jerry Santos. I will always remember the night he passed. Mm. Yeah. It was the birth of Oha. They did a huge concert at the Iolani Palace to create awareness to the Hawaiian people and, uh, and, and beyond what Oha is and who is Oha, to introduce Oha. And you had everybody there. Walter Ritty, all, all of the Ho'olawe. But they were all there endorsing and voicing mm. Oha. What, what year was this? Jeez. About, I believe it was in the 80s. But I remember that night only because it was Robert Bowman's birthday, the other half of Olomana. I see. And so his birthday party was at his home in Kailua. And so there was a select few that was invited. 
and I don't know if you, um, Izzy's uncle is Mo Keale, Uncle Mo. Well, Mo was there. Mo was one of the hosts for the party, along with Crash. And so probably had about 25 of us musicians, like one big circle. That stays with me forever because that's the night he passed away. It was a memorable time because he always said, if I'm going to go, it's got to be with music. But uh, Jerry keeps the song going. Oh, that's crazy because that's like such an iconic time in like Koi. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, because I mean, all the, all, the, all the music still played now, yeah. yeah. Like it's still like revered. Like all the different bands, all yeah. the different artists all the different stuff like it definitely hasn't like faded in fact i think it might have even gotten stronger recently in the past 10 it years it goes in cycles yeah yeah mm. that i love because you know i was never a traditionalist ways personally and i was always on the bumpy road mm-hmm. you know? but yeah at that time oh you know, putting it bluntly if you didn't have something to offer get out talent wise yeah yeah like never bring nothing to the table you're not around yeah, and don't copy anybody. Yeah, so if there was a, another Olomana, never made it. There's only one Olomana. There's only one Makaha Sons. Only one Peter Moon band who became the Brothers Cats. Yeah, wow. Right. You know, that kind of level of musicians. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting to, like, obviously had, like, mainstream music and whatever, like, mainland kind. Sure. But, like, growing up, honestly, all I, all my dad and mom played majority was just all, like, Good. Hawaii music. Oh, like Brothers Cosmero, like, yeah. like, I mean, you know, and then more later on, like Kili Raishel, like different stuff. Sure, you know? sure. Like that's all they played. It's interesting because I never learned certain songs that was super popular, like right. pop culture wise, till like my twenties. Because growing up, it just never got played at the house or in the car, or you know, because they had like their cassette tapes. They just like play those things, flip it over, play it again. You know what I mean. <laughs> Side, a loop, huh? side A, side B. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> oh no, they had. I still, I don't, I don't know if I've ever. They had like an eight track player in the house. Yeah, there were eight tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I remember. Like, I, I don't even know how to use it, but I just remember like I was super little, and it was sitting in the corner. Bro, tier one, tier two, four, four. I don't even know. <laughs> The thing just looked like when Nintendo, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but Hawaii had that unique thing of it was very like, it had its own like sense of like place when it came to music, right? Yes, we did. You know, when you say stuff like that, I remember Crash trying to make noise. The, the, you know, the Hoko Awards were created two reasons. One, it was always on a Monday night so because most music, musicians were off. It was by design so they could get together and be together. It was totally... For musicians only, period. Crash's whole idea of this. But to honor the <coughs> legacy of music, right? And the other reason he created this was to make noise so the, the Grammys get wind of it. And it worked. Because now it's sanctioned. It's sanctioned by the Grammys, the Hoku Awards. Oh. This whole idea of his really worked because now, but here's the problem. When they finally met with, with the, the who's who, of the Grammys, the question was, so Crash, how do we categorize Hawaiian music? Because you have Sweet Leilani, you have Brother Is, I mean, you have music from A to Z. In Hawaii, we, our genre of Hawaiian music is, is just wide open. You have Days of Hawaii Calls, you have music today. What do you put them? Are they all Hawaiian music? So there was a struggle, so they came to the conclusion is, well, let's put it in world music, and it's still there. Mm. 
because they don't have a Hawaiian category. Mm. They just put the Hawaiian music mixed in with all the other musics that they can't really categorize. But it made they made headway with that. Mm-hmm. The, the, it is recognized. I think that was my point of sharing that a legacy of people from that time. Bringing the music to the forefront and getting acknowledged beyond. Yeah, you know it was always Don Ho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, you know and before that was Alfred Apaka. I mean these are and then 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 Izzy. You know so everybody each generation had their vocalists or or favorites that would go beyond Hawaii and make an impact. I thought Kealii Raisha was getting there, and then I I guess he really got back into hula, and I don't know him personally, but. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but it's ready for the next one. But Izzy, Izzy's music went round and round and round and round through different owners. You know, when John DeMello had it, he made his millions and boy, they, and he sold it, sold the rights to music, you know, to um, their own uh, island heritage. They're going round and round again, you know, uh, same songs into movies all over the yeah, world. Yeah, no, yeah, lots of movies, though. Right. That one, you know, <coughs> somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, it went round and round and round again. Yeah, yeah, millions and millions and millions. I don't think John DeMello really saw that. that mm. was, it was going to repeat itself. Yeah, yeah. So the next owners that they're reaping all the rewards again. Pretty interesting. But what it does is it keeps us in the loop of our music of Hawaii being abroad and wherever you go, the visitors all want to hear. Izzy's version of yeah. somewhere, even though the words are like, <coughs> he just sings from his heart, right? If you look at the original charts, and Izzy just sings the way he wants to sing. He makes his own words. He does it to many songs, but he gets away with it, and he always did. Nobody will question him. But that song, wow, took care of his family, that's for sure. That's good. Oh, yeah, happy ending with him. You know, he's not with us, but he lives with us still yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool you got to have so much, like, behind-the-scenes kind of time. Lots. Yeah, lots. It's fun eating. <laughs> it's fun being invited to his house mm-hmm. when his mom, okay, mom, the boy's here, okay, make us breakfast. We would come from his camp at Keao. Okay, okay, mom. Uh, one pot rice, uh, two dozen eggs, and one slab bacon. And he looks at us, Chucky, what do you want to eat? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's not like my father. Well, <laughs> I know it's like, what, what about, oh, they you know, not eat that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I, I think I'm a piece of bacon to, to <laughs> yeah. eat. Okay, mom, you heard him. <laughs> yeah. And then she goes, is that what you're going to eat? Oh. <laughs> Big difference. He could put them away. He could put it away. Oh. Oh. It was always fun to eat with him. Oh, that's major. A whole pot. Poof. Rice. <laughs> oh, two dozen eggs. Brought oh, on. yeah. That's just breakfast. So, so, <laughs> well, that, well, that's an interesting, like, with Hawaiian culture, right? Just, like, local culture is, like, the eating thing. So, oh, yeah. so like, I, after I finished high school, and then I, I went to the mainland for a while and worked. It's just the culture of eating is so different, yeah? Yeah. Like, because in Hawaii, it's, like, very much, like, like, a sharing of, like, life and, like, community. In the mainland, it's kind of just, like, oh, we're going to get, I'm hungry, let's get something to eat. You know, it's it's just, like, something you got to check your boxes. 
you know whereas like in hawaii like culturally it's more of a like community event you know even i mean and it's the you know it's like the breaking of bread to like share it is the yourself breaking. it is the you know breaking I mean? of bread and that's how you build a relationship and even because even like us we'll have people come down from the mainland different business people different other whoever and then we'll take them out to eat and it's so different than i think they've used to because oh, it's yeah. the it's like the talking and the camaraderie and the ordering a lot, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like not holding back for like <laughs> oh, better yeah. or worse, you know? Like, <laughs> like it's this ability to like no shame, like share something. Yeah, yeah. poo poo's wide. Yeah. Oh no, you always order way too much. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and that that's something that's super interesting to me. As like, because that's my my backgrounds. I went to culinary school, worked in New York, and whatever. And they worked in all these restaurants. So, like, it was just such a different cultural thing than it is here, you know. So, I, I think that's something super interesting that's, like, a lot of the time is always, like, the sharing, like, where you build relationship is based <clears throat> around that, like, eating times. And that is so unique to Hoi. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then some of our um, little, uh, for lack of words, a little quirks, some of us, if you don't have best food mayonnaise on the side over there, it's like, it's not complete. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> and that's what I try to tell everybody. Bro, we, my dad used to eat your <laughs> beef stew, chili, beef stroganoff, bra. Everything. I get, I get one question. <laughs> you, you ever ate mayonnaise with bananas? Yeah. Okay, you did? Yeah. Oh, of course, because I, I didn't have peanut butter. Wait, wait, so that, that's what people used to eat? <laughs> no, yeah, mayonnaise in the bread and banana. Okay, so his girlfriend swears that's by old it. school. And we're like, what are you talking about? No, I, I never seen it. School. It's old school. Okay, she got that from the from her grandpa is why. It's I old mean, school. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. We we were introduced <coughs> peanut butter later, I think probably in the late sixties. Yeah? Yeah. The tourists that's on the park and they, you know, you are camping with the families and they so they put bananas, I mean they cut the bananas and put peanut butter. It's like, wow, what is that? Yeah. Oh, you guys gotta try this and that's it, right? You take one bite like Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Chucky boy, good thing they had introduced that because can you imagine a peanut butter mayonnaise smoothie? Uh-uh. Only. No way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know because I always talk crap there. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think? You think peanut butter bananas? I mean, oh, no, 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 mayonnaise and bananas. <laughs> Okay, I can shut up now. <laughs> but yeah. I forgot about that one. That oh, yeah. true, though. We were talking about it the other night as well. So I was like, wait. Because I had never even heard about that before. Oh, I've, ate, I've eaten that many times as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Because we always had bananas. I mean, you're, you're in the forest a lot. Not in the ocean, but you're hungry all the time yeah. as a kid. Yeah. I always had bananas. Mayonnaise was close by. <laughs> the interesting thing about like Hawaii, too, is it kind of stayed depression-ish for a long time, man. Meaning, like, you know, the Depression was, like, 30s, 40s, and then kind of switched up, like, in the 50s, like, America in general kind of started to, like, have these jobs and, yeah, like, a more middle class. But, like, when I was a kid, so even when I was, like, 80s, 90s, my grandpa still used to steal, like, pepper and show you from McDonald's. Like, so I'd go to his house and it was all, like, like bags from, like, Foodland, you know, like, the plastic bags. Oh, oh use this bag. Oh, okay. oh, here's, here's the pepper. They throw you like a packet. <laughs> you know, like, like so it stayed for a lot longer than, than just like, I think the mainland did. Well, I, I don't think 
all families are like that. I understand what you're saying. Oh yeah, my grandpa. I, was I do so. under, understand. We weren't poor or anything like that, but our grandpa was. Yeah, we didn't have that. Oh no. Yeah, no. Oh he, my, my grandpa was like. Oh, he sure. would he would tie us up. I think if we did something like oh, for that. Him. Yeah, he was like. <laughs> grandpa was very straight. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My father would the kind um if he order from McDonald's and he always get his McDouble add Mac sauce. He would never check the bag. But when he come home, if he open a burger and number Mac sauce, Chucky boy, brother would do a donut, whip <laughs> him right back down, losing his mind. He always I remember I'm in the car and I'm just like crying already because he's just snapping out. You know what I mean? But then the <laughs> brother, these guys, they don't know what they're doing. They're blah, 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 blah. How hard is it? Huh? I'm gonna tell him like that. Don't say anything. <laughs> he pull up. It's like, hey, um, brother, I you guys forgot to put the max sauce. Boom. Oh, sorry, uncle. Hey, boom, get him. This guy's drive down here. I'm like, oh, this guy. He really turned him on and off. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I trip out. But yeah, my father gotta have the max sauce in his McDouble. Yeah, just sauce. I mean, for even for me, bruh, right? Yeah. Chili pepper chicken. You better give me one little tub so I can dip inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And even sandwiches, like whatever the aioli is that they put lather, give me on the side for the fries. Yeah. <laughs> we all dippers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Double dippers. Yeah. Capital D. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring another in story in. And yeah. It's about food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Two, double, so, double you know, as locals, okay, you heard that story of that, the two dozen eggs, the one slab, bacon, blah, 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 the pot rice. His. So there was a guy named Angelo Cicerone who moved from Manhattan. Honolulu. He just loves the music. But now he wants to take Izzy, myself, to New York um, for a concert. So I said, well, it'll, it'll be hard because, for one, I don't, I don't want to go to New York. And second, I don't think Izzy would like to. He'll, he's going to tell you stuff that you're going to... He'll say stuff like, so what? Where's that? Where's that? Where's New York? You know I mean? That's the kind of <laughs> questions he would ask. We took him to the house, and it was breakfast time. But I wanted him to experience the meals at... at, at <laughs> So, of course, he does his ordering, the norm. And then, so, he looks at me and he looks at Angelo. And he says, okay, brother, come on, order. He goes, oh, uh, with this look on his face, like, yeah, but isn't that for all of us? Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he goes, crazy. Your turn to order. And so, he orders, like, one egg and maybe a piece of bread, whatever. You oh don't eat rice, right? Oh. Wait, so, see, the mom brings out the food. I mean, the look on his face was like, he was terrified. Of, and then this guy too, Stephen Hall. Stephen Hall is another big eater. He sang with Peter Moon Band. But Stephen could eat too. So he ate as much as he is. And so when the food came, Izzy says to him, this is, is this what Izzy says. He said, Angelo, brother, you need mayonnaise? And so Angelo goes, pardon me? He said, mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. And he, he goes, oh, um, oh, I don't need that on my bread. Because he had a piece of bread. Yeah. <laughs> He goes, no, for your eggs. And so he goes, for the eggs? He goes, yeah, like this. He takes this on his, on his eggs and on his rice and on his bacon. And he goes, okay. So he does the same thing. He didn't eat it. He couldn't stand it. He didn't know that Hawaiian people love mayonnaise. Yeah. We all do. I mean, it's just not everybody does it, but a lot do. Mm-hmm. Especially the brothers. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's for sure. That's our ketchup. 
Yeah. Oh, of course, we wouldn't put ketchup too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Talk crazy. It was a Hawaiian Thousand Island. Huh? Yeah. No, for real. Bro, my father just mixed mayonnaise, ketchup, and then just on the omelets, bro. I tell you. You don't even see yellow. You just, even, you just lather it. <laughs> omelet. Yeah. But anyway, I thought it. But Angelo's face, I can't describe it. It was like, it was so funny. Anyway, that was my Angelo. The whole nice. mayonnaise. So you left all that then and just came to Kauai? Yeah. And um, that was it. You just one day like. It, I mean, I actually finished the recording project and I never released it. Oh, crazy. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, and, so uh, you just get them? No. I don't want it. Oh, you don't That's want it? Thing. Yeah. I just left everything. Wow. Yep. Was there like Just a, a cold, just poop. Clean cut. I don't want to play anymore. Huh. Yeah, I just got tired. I wanted to do something else. Yeah. You know, I just really got tired. And then you moved here in 89. Yeah. And then what do you do when you moved there? Then? The music is done. Music is done. So my mother-in-law has a five-acre lot, farm lot in Anahola. So my wife and I decided we want to build a house there. So I'm going to be a farmer. Tilled the whole thing, learned how to drive a tractor, the whole nine yards. Dirt in my finger now. Yeah. All of the nine yards. Calluses, but I had calluses on my fingers from guitar. Just yeah. picking, huh? You yeah, said a different kind. Different kind of calluses. <laughs> <laughs> the kind like shovel calluses. And, and, but here was a neat thing. In fact, again, it involved music. So any musician that came to Kauai came to the farm to plant. They're always going to plant coconut trees. So is planted one. Oh. Makaha Sons planted. Crash, Kealoha planted. Anyway, all the musicians that would come here knew about the farm. So they would all want to plant a tree. Oh, Chucky, we want to plant a tree. <laughs> Coconut tree. Yeah, I thought it would be pretty cool, right? But then Hurricane and Nikki came. Oh. oh yeah. And so that kind of, the, the farm was going. It was just awesome. It was such a wonderful experience. But then Hurricane and Nikki just changed everything. I mean, it's weird because I was like a little kid and it was cool for me. <laughs> yeah. Like it was yeah, like yeah. you had like one longest summer vacation ever. Sure. But then. Now, like, being older, you look back, you're like, oh, oh Iniki itself. Yeah, yeah, Well, just the whole, like, act of, like, the amount of stuff that closed and how long, like, took for even get anything out. And then you had to, like, go grab MREs and, oh, stu- yeah. and all that stuff. You drank a can of hot soda. Yeah. No ice. Oh. That, oh, no, taking shower from the, like, bag outside. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Like, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I, I, didn't, I didn't care that much because, like, you just kind of, it was also the most time you'd cruise with your neighbor, or, like, we did cruise with our neighbor. Sure. Because, like, I had nothing else to do. So you weren't home? I wasn't born. When was Iniki? 92? 92. Uh? 92. Yeah. I was born 94. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah, trust me. And that, yeah. that's that's even good because I know you thought I was born 92. I thought it was his fault. Nah. Like, oh, but I thought you was 18 in 92. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but um, the only story that I can, you know, our... Our roof had blow off when, when okay. my family was inside. And um, my great grandpa, um, he was a pineapple farmer. He had his own pineapple plantation. And that's all the land that we live on now. But he was outside. Um, we would call him G. They would call him Gigi. And I think, I, I don't know what he was drinking, Budweiser or something. But when the hurricane was happening and, and thing was blowing, he was drunk outside just Trying to walk through like the everyone's yard, <laughs> so I, I just remember hearing that story. I'm like, "Oh, this little Okinawan man was just almost a blow away." <laughs> you know, no uh, last thing on on, on the, that music side, but he's a Cummings. You know, Crash Kealoha is a Cummings. So, oh, from from, from Kauai, really? Yeah. So you go find out his grandpa was the Kahu for the 
Kappa Alpha Sawain Church. Oh, and Waioli Church. Oh, that's what you were. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, that Cummings. Okay. He he's really proud of that. He's he was always proud of being a Cummings. <clears throat> Big family. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big family. <laughs> Plenty of us. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember like sixth, seventh grade or something. Maybe sixth grade summer or seven. But anyway, you know, you know Hawaii. Everybody is. Everybody connected somehow, somewhere. Sure. You're just hoping it's not too connected. <laughs> so I remember, um, you know, I was talking to this girl in um, middle school and um, just texting, texting, texting. Okay, um, all right, I'll talk to you later. I gotta get ready for a party. She's like, okay, me too. <laughs> Next thing you know, I go to my Uncle Dawson's house and she's freaking over there. And I was pissed. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what are you doing over here? She's like, oh, it's, it's my family. <laughs> what what side? Oh, the kind of auntie. I said, oh, my gosh. Calabash. <laughs> but then actually it wasn't Calabash. It was for real kind. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, man. Uh, brutal. I'm like, we'll cut you off. <laughs> Get away from me, cousin. <laughs> nice. So then you do that. Yeah. Started farming and then <clears throat> after the hurricane, switch gears or something? Well, after the hurricane, we just were surviving, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bras. There was no nothing, you know, just our business shut down. In fact, your dad and my wife were really good friends because um, the flower industry. Yeah. Mm. And um, we were the exporters of pineapple and papayas, and that industry died also. I'm really glad that at the time... The bank found favor in us because we had a note on the building. Mm. What that mean? No um, mortgage. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. okay. You can interpret. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who don't know, all one of you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so um, somehow we made it work because I want to say even people say it took about five years. But to me, it was about seven years. Finally see life come, I mean, people come back to life and visitors and a uh, form of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Took about seven years. And then we just continued doing that. Seven years after the Iniki, you saying? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, we, okay. We continued to export pineapples and so forth. And nice. eventually I got burnt out. <laughs> yeah. We did that till we still own the <clears throat> building and stuff. But uh, then the museum. So what, what year you started doing stuff over there? I don't remember, but I know in 2015, the end of 2015 into 2016 is when I officially became the director, but 10 years prior. So whatever the math, 10 years prior to that, I was a volunteer to help with fundraising Mm. slash just help the museum. Revitalize them. Uh, Well, absolutely. It was just, it was a museum. Let's just say that. It was just a museum. I'll tell you what, like, so we went last week, but honestly, we never did. I haven't gone since like high school i think same so that would have been like 2000 okay and the difference is like night and day like where it was to where it is now and the stuff that's there even just like the stories kind of being told through the exhibits is like so much more and different it's it's pretty cool i urge everybody to go 100 percent. yeah if you guys are in on Kauai ever visiting please make the time um to go check out the Kauai museum yeah because it's sick Cause what what is the ship that um Sunk you could, yeah yeah that, that's the royal yacht the royal yacht yeah it was owned by um, Kamehameha the second it's the same yacht that kidnapped the last king on Kauai Kaumuali and it sits on the bottom of Hanalei Bay today but it sank in the eighteen hundreds 
and you guys have artifacts and stuff. It's just, it's crazy. You, it's stuff you hear from, you know, like in movies are made of. And sure to see it, I'm like, whoa. In uh, 1995, the Smithsonian Institute came down and found, they located the, the, the yacht. And so for two years, did their thing. And, and in 2015, it comes to the museum. And rightfully so, because today, tell the story. Without knowing we were going to get, we were going to be the repository of the artifact. So it was like, it was a godsend. It was like confirmation of what we're doing to share the, the bigger story and, and the backstories and the deeper stories of our paintings of the sunken ship or the yacht. You know, the, 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 real quickly, the, the backstory to that, it was built in Massachusetts and it was the first luxurious open ocean yacht and the fastest to ever be built in America at that time in the 1800s. You know, it was it was fitted with um, the first flushing toilet. You know, it was it created. They had deck lights that today inspired sunroofs and stuff. Oh. But the deck lights was to light up the bottom. It's kind of no brainer, right? The design of it was beautiful. And in the eighteen hundreds, you know, if, if you see what we have in the museum, the interior of the of the yacht of the ship, it's mind blowing because it's designed for a princess, designed for for royalty. Even the dinnerware came from the Ming dynasty, you know, things like that. I don't think any of the wines, the type of alcohol I had there was only the best, though, from different parts of the world. So this guy that owned this just wanted the best of the best because he, his goal was to marry a princess. His friend was Bonaparte Napoleon, was supposed to introduce him, as the story goes. He was supposed to go meet Bonaparte and be introduced um, to a princess so he could marry. Like an Italian princess? Or whatever princess. Anyone. Mm. Any princess. He just wanted a <laughs> princess. He just wanted to marry a princess. Wow. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, to Napoleon, it would probably be an Italian or French <clears throat> princess, right? One of those European types. So he decides to build a bigger one. <laughs> Bigger yacht. That was too small. So anyway, moving forward on that yacht, it was time to sell, and everybody knew about this king in Hawaii that loved ships. So your chances are selling it is, is, is like better than good. Mm. You bring it to Hawaii, and uh, and that's what happened. They sailed uh, the yacht into Hawaii. He saw it. He wanted it. Ended up giving a million pounds of iliahi or sandalwood. Interesting. Yeah, a million pounds today, that's can't even fathom what the cost of that yeah. is. Wow. Because that's something, I, maybe we don't have time to, yeah. today, but the sandalwood industry is something I, I want to know about that. That's super interesting. And the Chinese people, they revere that wood, or it's fragrant, you know, it's, it has this exotic smell to it. That, oh, wow. It lasts for hundreds of years. Oh. That's why they make their chest, anyway. They're, they're, what do you mean their chest? Um, their wood chest. Like yeah, the oh, wood. oh ch the yeah. game. Yeah. Um, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, wooden chest. Oh, yeah. oh okay, okay. No. Yeah. I, I, I see all, all the way over here. I see. I heard chess. I said, oh, chess pieces. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was like, oh, they, they, they're playing games and they're smelling good. It smells good. Yeah, I was like, because a chess game, I know it cannot last for 100 years. I queen. <laughs> Me, I was just a kind. Forfeit. Sorry, that's yeah. my bad on that. Oh, no. no, no, no. But uh, they, they they wanted to make furniture mm. yeah. with that wood because of the fragrance that it gave off. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's super interesting to me because, like, there's a big period of time where, like, especially during the Kamehameha reign, Hawaii was super rich, yeah? Well, let's put it, yeah, uh, rich in <clears throat> resources. Resources mm. which traded for? Uh, uh, well, Iliahi was, yeah. was when they discovered that the whalers and, the, you know, mm. the shipping industry, that wood was, like, incredible. Worldwide, 
they wanted to get their hands on the Iliahi. And, you know, the, the kings really <coughs> kind of overdid it. All the, the, the Ali'i, they overdid it. They overharvested. I mean, you know, at one time on Kauai, Hanama'ulu was filled with, with Iliahi. Interesting. Filled. There's not even a trace of it anymore. Wow. But, yeah, that was our gold. That was our diamonds. Well, because, like, I would say almost to, like, Kalakaua, there's, like, lots of money, yeah? Like, I mean, building of Ilani Palace. Like, like, a whole bunch of things where you're like, oh, they, they shelled out some cash. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. You know, like, edu- educating, like, in England. Like there's, yes, a, so there's a bunch of stuff. That, that's a good thing you brought up. Case in point on that one. So Princess Ruth, so she comes from the Kamehameha line, right? So mm-hmm. Princess Ruth decides she wants a castle like his. So as she was building, she ran, she, you know, she was land rich. The depth of Princess Ruth, the land, let me share this one. Anyway, fast forward, she never sees it. It doesn't. She, she dies before it com- it's completed. But they today they call it Central Intermediate School. That was her house. So if you're in Honolulu, you look. They may have changed her, the name recently, but it was always known as Central Intermediate School. If you look at it, you know it was a castle. The way that the it's similar look to Iolani Palace. Mm-hmm. But her money came from here, Kauai. She sold lands to the right. She sold. <clears throat> To the Rices and the Wilcoxes. The, the, so they, they split it. Oh. Like Kipukai, yeah, uh, Puhi. Uh, yeah. So wherever Wilcox land is, grow farm, is, that came from Princess Ruth. Heavy. Yeah, so she needed more monies to finish building her home. and uh, But she never lived to see it. But bulk of the monies came from here. The rest of her land, let me tell you, this is how important it is. It goes to Pauahi, Kamehameha Schools. Oh! So, yeah. Bishop Estate, that's from Princess Ruth. Wow. She owned all that then just yes. for, oh my goodness. Yeah, she was a neat person, you know. She was a good lady. Such a good lady. Oh, land rich. Oh, that's, that's crazy, that. Yeah, so the connection to... <clears throat> Uh, Bishop Estate and Kauai and Princess Ruth is all one. But the Rice, you know, the Rice and the Wilcox families at that time were really neat people. Mm. They literally spoke the language. Oh, wow. Yeah, Queen Lily Okalani loved um, these two guys, uh, Mr. Rice and uh, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, wow. Totally respected them. And then they were what, like OG missionaries? Families? Yeah, they were the original ones. Yeah, originals, right? Oh, William Hyde Rice. Yeah, yeah. William Hyde Rice, Charlie Rice, all of them. That that line, yeah, <gasps> yeah. William Hyde Rice. Wow, you know how I know the antique bottles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when I read it, I said, "I William H. Rice." Yeah, all of these missionaries really contributed a lot to Kauai. Really did. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's very complicated. Yeah, it's extremely complicated. Because there was, I mean, just everybody was kind of mixed at one point. You know? Whereas, like, you know, a lot of guys my age now, they get very, like, black and white with things. Sure. But there's a lot of complexity with people, good, bad, and the other. That's right. You know. Absolutely right. There's the good and the bad missionaries. Yeah. There's the good and the bad whalers. There's the good and the bad, you know, every Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, part of why yeah. we want to talk to you, too. Just to get, like, the straight. Yeah. Uh, what is the, like, who are those people? What did they do? What did what, what did Lily Okalani do when she came to Kauai? You know, that's super interesting. She wanted to know how her people were. She wanted to know if if they were good. You know, what I mean, if they they were fed, if they had food. That she had a caring heart. She really had a passionate heart. I mean, she, you know, she, 
She went to Kalau Papa. Who wants to go there at the time of those yeah. leprosy disease, right? She didn't care. She just wanted wow. to make sure they're okay. She wasn't the only Ali, right? Several of them went. Queen Kapiolani, Queen Emma. They all went down there because they're, you know, the beauty to our Ali'i, yeah? they were true servants of the people. They were voices of the people. And they always were on the lookout of their people, making sure they their well-being was, was good, was pono. And I remember you just said that, yeah, Kauai was rich, yeah. Resources here, you know, if you live on an island with water and you live on uh, in a desert without water, there's two kinds of civilization is different. When you have water, you can live with resources for really, really um, a vibrant community. And I'm talking back in the day, and we were by ourselves. Kauai is known as the separate kingdom. I shared that with you. Uh, for great reasons, and, and I, I always share this, that it's important to note that at the time, there's no technology at all, or, or satellites. It wasn't easy to come to Kauai. We were, some will say, I, I, I won't go there, but some, they, they kind of, we were always that separate island. We were always that island. It wasn't easy to get here. It was a, it was a benefit. It was, a, it was to our advantage, because <laughs> they say that, you know, we say it with humility that Kauai is the only unconquered island. We humbly say it. But in history, it's very true. No matter who tried to take over Kauai, it never happened. And a lot really starts off just by geographically, geographically the unpredictable channel of Kaiei with the rogue waves that come even today, 40 to 50-foot waves. Listen to Navigator Nainoa Thompson say it. Yeah, you don't sleep from Oahu to Kauai. You better be on watch. So whoever's on watch better be up because you are the guy going to let us know that the waves are coming. Because yeah, mm-hmm. they can feel it, they can see it, they know. But it comes out of nowhere, those 40, 50-foot rogue waves. Oh. And that's one of the reasons why we were a separate kingdom. Because we had our own invisible wall there. Mm-hmm. But by having, we're just rich in water here. So getting back to people in the Sahara and here personalities are different everything you know so back in the day too you had to follow the rules it was very mean to be the rules were strict there back then the couple system yeah. was strict because if you break the rule you die oh. period there's no ends of ends of butts and ifs and the butts it's just you die it was a, a really wonderful form of discipline um to live uh, but as i say the word vibrant is because of our food source and our water source. And you couldn't be lazy. You better not be lazy. You're out you're out of your your place to live. It's one of the you know, one of the basic rules is to do your part. You live you take your part. You malama, you you keep your area clean. You keep your land division or your ili as we call that. You keep it clean because that's where your family lives. And if you you grow up with sweet potatoes, then you're gonna pay your taxes with the sweet potatoes. But if you're a fisherman, you're gonna pay your taxes with fishermen if it's fish, but so everybody knew the rules. Some of the rules were like was like an overkill to me, but I, I think I say that with heart because with heart, because I like discipline. Although I I I'm one that broke, I break rules. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna tell me this is the rule, I'm gonna break it. It's just how I am. But I think I would have made it back then. I could have made it personally. It's because um, I like structure. So there was a lot of structure back then. But yes, Kauai was very vibrant, rich, rich in. And, and resources. So when you talk about Kalakaua and stuff, 
there's the other side of the stories. And we love Kalakao because he married one of our own, right? He married Kaumuali's granddaughter, Kapiolani. Uh, we all know out there that to marry anyone from Kauai is to elevate your status. So it is known that back in the day they want to marry someone from an ali'i from Kauai. Case in point, when uh, they kidnapped our king, the reason it was is for Ka'ahumanu to marry Kaumuali, Kauai king. To elevate her status. There was nothing about sex or anything. It was about status. She didn't only marry him. She also married eldest son, Homehome. She also married two sons, Kiali Ahonui. Not only is she a, a sergeant, she becomes a lieutenant and now a captain. And you know what I mean? She yeah. just elevated her way up there. Um, Kalakawa marries Kapiolani. Whoop! Automatically elevates who he is as an ali'i. It's complicated though. I won't get into that, but. Basically, that's what it is, is to marry Kauai. That's why I married my wife. Elevate your status. <laughs> <laughs> you, is, you is elevated, brother. You is up there. No yeah. wonder I kept looking up at you like that when you uh, talk. You, <laughs> you know, when you, when you look at the, our collection of umeke, when you look at our collection of wooden bowls, it's hard to fathom that they created that with a stone. You know, we call it koi, you know, or chisels, right? Of course they did it for centuries. Everybody did, Egypt, everywhere. But with the wood that we have and to see it today, that things that were made back centuries ago, masters of wood or experts have a hard time saying if it was done by machine or done by hand. The reason why I say that is when they come here to see our collection, I will ask them, so what do you think this one was hand or machine? I put them on the spot. Yeah. And probably two out of five will make mistakes. I don't all get it. Wow. Impeccable work that was done. Uh, and then again, you know, back in the day, everybody was an expert in what they did because that's all you did. If you were a canoe, canoe maker, that's what you do. You made your umeke or your bowls. That's all you do for generations because it's passed down. And unfortunately, like today, you know, your family has a business. By the time it reaches the third generation, they're off doing something else. Or it, it probably kind of goes to the wayside. There are pieces that we have. By the time it reached the third generation, he was selling already. Mm. Selling the pieces and not caring for it because it belonged to the ali'i. Just what goes on in business. Your dad had his flower shop by the third generation. Not the same. They want to do that. They become doctors, dentists, whatever. Or not interested. Far and field, you have companies that stay for generations. It does happen, but... It, most times. No. Yeah, not at all. So the, the, the legacy of your family, of canoe makers and so forth, kind of just goes to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, our bird catchers, or the kiamane, um, that is another one that, that one is a little different. Because bird catchers are in their own world. They live in the, they live in the Vaokua. They live in the highest part of the mountains. Because they want to be with the best birds, but they're 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 the masters of gathering feathers, the hulu, to make the cloaks, to make the capes, or the ahuula as we call it. We have great stories of kiamanu, the bird catchers, especially when our kids come. We get into character. We become the bird catchers. <laughs> Fingernails are like long. <laughs> Their hair is uh, you know. Wait, wait, try tell me then. Kiamanu. Yeah. Oh, so. But even like describe them, like how you just describe them. 
like long well, nails. I was like, oh wait, yeah, because they live, they live in the mountain. Yeah, they don't yeah. come out. You know, today's today's Kiamanu or or now they're the ethnologists, botanologists, or whatever, a birdologist, or whatever they, the word is for these bird experts that live. They they stay in the mountain. They come out smelling like hippies. I mean, sorry, they come out. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like oh, hauna, cause yeah, you know, but because they don't know how to bath. They don't know how to keep themselves mm. with, with our the natural herbs. That we, so you know the Kiwanis, they actually took good care of themselves. They knew how to bathe. So hygiene was pretty cool. Mm. They, they knew how to, yeah. And But one thing that they did have was, of course, there's no barbers, mm-hmm. right? No manicures, right? The nails would get long, but they used it as um, to their advantage with the birds. They almost became like the birds. They came, became like the birds. Because they would mimic the birds, and there was a trust factor that that took place. The birds would trust the si- same person right here. Well, oh, that friend, he's not going to kill me. I know you. That kind of thing. Uh, where the harvest time was during molting season, when it, the birds go through the molting time, they always say to the kids, "Okay, this is what the birds did." So you know, um, the kiomanu put their palekepao or this sap. This is our Hawaiian glue, right? The gorilla glue. Would put the papalakepao set all in the branch. They knew what bird was going to come to this branch, that branch, this branch, that branch, because they were creatures of habit. But during molting season, we always would say this, yep, they man, and they go, uncle, take my feathers, time I'm molting. So, but they stuck, they cannot move. They, 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 they put their, claw on their, their, you know, their legs onto the branch and they can't move so they pluck the feathers and then they just put coconut i mean coconut oil let them go and that's all they did generations so most of the kiamanu had no children until i think i want to say on the big island 1800s because the earlier bird catchers were all single nobody wanted to marry a bird catcher right <laughs> like, your husband oh moki the bird catcher what yeah <laughs> Right. He never yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> he don't come home, that guy. <laughs> That's why I wo- weave him on small bags. So he Once he fill up, he come right back. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until later that became a normal thing where they, they didn't have to live in the mountain. You know, they would go, they would trek to the mountain. Um, and then they had their families. Mm-hmm. And they would train their sons to collect bird feathers. The Kahuna Pule tell you when to do certain things. He knew. See, we all we all we all know that you know as Hawaiian people, we lived with nature, so we understood nature. It was time, for example, a tree to make the canoe. It's really, you know, it's common knowledge about that. But there were certain birds that would lead the Kahuna to the right tree. Pretty interesting. And that bird would say, "This is the tree," and he would tell the canoe makers what tree and when, and so you do all the protocols, you know, all the different type of chants and so forth and so forth. And it's normally the perfect tree back in the day. I think this, the Inuits, I think, still do it in Alaska. So then the feather pickers, did they make the capes too, or is that different? Different. I and mean, when did they start that? So, I mean, it's one of those things where you always see it, like, growing up in, like, pictures or in class. But, like, what is, like, the origins of it? Did it come from when they came over? Or was it, did it start, like, once they moved here? That, you know, that is a good question. I've never had that question put forth. But 
to our knowledge, the, the Ahula was always there, um, and it's just the Hawaiian thing. We'll say, oh, what about the Maoris? Well, the Maoris came from here. Mm. <laughs> so that's why it continued there in, in, in Aotearoa. Ahuula is something the Hawaiians did with pride, and it's it's several reasons. Of course, it's sacred, right? It, there's a lot of mana, um, but it pretty much does, it's like the military. You can tell who the general is mm-hmm. you know, with the insignia. You can tell who the sergeant is, and in our case, it's a, a shorter cape and so forth. You know that long, beautiful cloak. So Ahuula, you know, it was for the king. But that that really, it's all about status also it's about well colors has a lot to do with it too like yellow yellow is nobility so kamehameha's ahuula was yellow that took eight that was prophesied as a matter of fact that's a good story you know how what is a decade what is a decade 10 years century you think okay yeah no no it was eight decades that it was prophesied we must make this ahuula for the new king to be born. So it was eight decades to the, the day it was prophesied that Kamehameha was born. And it was completed, and that became his. It was the yellow one, just nobility. It must have been big, no? Boy, it took a million feathers. Oh, so much bur- because you can only um, you, you can only pick up bur- feathers, <laughs> oh, yeah. no? That's right. Even multi season me, if I was, no, imagine right. that, I would just, nobody looking at No, you're right. So, you know, oh, bird, it's black and yellow. It's mainly black with like a few yellow feathers. Crazy. That is the ultimate feather. So that's Kamehameha's. How many birds had yellow? Or is it, was it just a... Oh, no, no, you had. You had yellow had. birds. And, you know, I'm not the bird. I'm not the... Yeah, I know. Birdologist. Yeah. Right? I know. I used to work Wahoos and all the bird um, bird watchers, photographers would come in there. They had like one set rate <laughs> for 20 guys. They're like, look, we, we caught this bird on camera. I was like, that's just a minor bird, bro. <laughs> that's, just, that's minor, that. <laughs> yeah. You got to go live in more high in elevation. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this gray beak. It's a lemon hackle. It's a dove, dog. Ahuula and the colors. You know, kaumuali'i's. Red. What is that? Symbolizes right. What's the symbolism of red? You know, the royal, the royal, the royal, the blood quantum. Mm. Fool. Loaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even the trim red. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, color has a lot. To oh, do. that's mean though. Kaumualii preferred one with a a lower crown. I want to think that Kaumualii preferred that just because it's. I think it's more comfortable. There we are, like. <laughs> One helmet with, with Bird of Paradise on the top. Yeah, so, yeah. My neck too flimsy. You know? <laughs> yeah. This, this, this yeah. traps he cannot hold. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, even like the uniqueness between the different islands. Oh, yeah. And then. Absolutely. I mean, this is a question I have to. What about just within Kauai? Because you have Kamuli, which is. Sure. A, la- a later king right before Kamehameha. Okay, so, you know, I, I did share with you, but one of my favorite stories really is Kukona. You know, people hear the word, the name Manukalanipo. People hear that. Ties in with Kukona. So Kukona is the father. Manukalanipo is his son. They're actually the number seven. Number eight, Ali'i Aimoku, chief of the island. Every island had their Ali'i Aimoku. During the 1400s, I just love the story. Only because, for one, not many know it. Two, we all know Kamehameha's stories. And that's all we all knew for years and generations. But knowing stories of other chiefs and kings of 
other islands. That is what is intriguing to me. So studying the chiefs of or the Ali'i Moku of Kauai, Kona stood out a lot along with his son. The reason was you would hear Kauai Omano or Kauai Amano, Kauai Mano or Manokalanipo. Well, each island is called by a chief that really was outstanding. Keawe. Keawe is, mo- is from the big island, so Moko o Keawe. Kahelelani is a chief of Niihau. Kahelelani o Moko o Kahelelani. Piilani, Maui, right? And so forth and so forth. Manokalanipo was Kauai's. And the old folk, when you hear these names, you know they're old. They come from the old way of speaking. They don't say big island. Oh, Moko o Keawe. That old pattern. So... It always intrigued me that Manukalanipo, who was he? Reading the different historians that we have, I have my favorites, Malo, and, but anyway, Manukalanipo's dad was known as a, a warrior or a chief of great chivalry. That I like. That tells me he's very kind. Not only that, but he was also known as a, a king that loved to take naps. And, you know, when I share that, people are always like, naps, yeah, take a nap. There's a lot of places in his his, in history that in his stories that anyway um, it comes into play as I share this. One day the advisors of the Kahuna Kahuna Nui to Kukona says, "So I'll keep it light. It's easier this way, Chief. We're gonna get a war. We're gonna have a battle." And and all Kukona said to his advisors, "So what's the outcome?" All he said was, "Lanakila, Lanakila, victory." So Kukona says, okay, summon my son. So Manukalanipo meets with his dad, and they sit and talk with the advisors around it. You know, they have their little circle. and they, They're discussing about this battle that's going to take place. Kukona says to his son, advise a plan. I like that. Putting trust in his son, too. Plus, he's probably, you know, the next leader, right? So they devise a plan. Fast forward, time moves on. Oh, the advisor says to Kukona, they're coming. So I'll stop right there. This all takes place when uh, a chief named Kalau Nui from Mokokeawe, Big Island, decides, now this is the 1400s, I want to conquer all the islands. And he has this drive to take <coughs> over. Why? He wants to be the Ali'i Nui. What is the Ali'i Nui? The king of all. Because we had no Ali'i Nui. We had Ali'i Aimokus or chiefs, kings of each island. So he gathers his warriors and he heads to Maui, and boy, the battle was fierce, and just, they couldn't end it. They were pretty pretty even, and um, they'd make the decision to team up. So now they decide to join forces and head to Molokai, and then that's where, you know, my favorite thing was, yeah, it's like Konoho Kamehameha against Kailua High School, or whatever, you know, Kapa'a High School in this case. Kapa'a. So that's, you know, you know what that is, right? You do the numbers. Right? Yeah, yeah, numbers in a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but, you know, Kapa'a was good the other year. Anyway, so they slaughtered Molokai. And now, now so there's three islands. You go to Oahu, three islands, do the math, slam Oahu, and now it's time to be one big army to battle Kukona on Kauai. And so as they're coming over, they make it through Kaiiaiia, but then the Kahuna says to Kukona, they're coming, they're almost here. Okay, so now fast forward on this one. The plan is in place, and it was a great plan. These warriors came, and if you've been to Kauai, if you do, <coughs> there's a place we call Keone Loa, and some of you, if you've been down by the Hyatt area, you call it shipwrecks. You know where I'm talking about. So there's a little, like a little rock formation that sticks in the ocean. So you 
chiefs were about that area. It's just an approximate place they were. But it's a great vantage point to see standing on that big um, lookout area. So the warriors that came to Kauai fell for the, the trap, the plan, was to lure them in this one particular valley that we call Wahiava. And it worked. So while the battle is going on there, Pukona sends his uh, men to surround four chiefs that are looking at the battle going on at Keonilo, shipwrecks. They capture the four kings, and that's where, <coughs> you know, it's like game over. Put the football over your head, up, out, done. So the battle is done, and the first thing that Pukona says to Manukalanipo is, please mend the wounded and bury the dead. Those that could travel, he said, mend the wounded and send them home to their respective mokuos, respective islands. This is what they did. Normally, you kill them all. It's the norm. But this is where Kukona gets that reputation of such a wonderful man of chivalry. But the four kings are house arrest. They're, they're here um, under arrest. So fast forward a year and a half, about a year and a half later, they're eating lunch, and Kukona is going to take a nap. Anyway, okay, so they're eating lunch, the four chiefs, and Kukona decides to take a nap. In the meantime, Kalau Nui, the chief from Big Island, says to the rest of the chiefs, he wants to plot to kill him. He wants to kill Kokona. And right there, on the Maui chief, Kamalu says, Oh, no, he fed us. He kept us alive. He mended our, you know, he, he, all our men, he sent them back home to our, their respective islands. And you want to kill him? And then, so right there, Kalonui said, yeah, no, we can't do that. We can't kill him. But right then is when uh, Kokona wakes up, and the first thing out of his mouth was, I had a dream that I was going to be killed, but it really wasn't a dream. It was kind of wink, wink. He was up all the time. He just closed his eyes, and he heard the whole thing. He heard the whole conversation. But he did say this. He said to them, it is time for you to go home, go back to your respective moku. And before you do that, you must make a pact. And I'm going to share this. It's going to be called Ohua, or the long piece of Kamalu Ohua. So he's honoring the Maui king because the Maui king was the one that stopped Big Island King from killing Kokona. And he did say that um, I have one wish. I have this is what I, 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 I just one wish that you do from now on. You will never do battle with Kauai and Niihau ever. And so they granted that. You know, they came to that place where they all agreed to keep the peace. And it really worked because from 1400s to 1800s, that's 400 years of peace that we had on Kauai. This is the bomb. It's unbelievable. And in the 1800s, everybody knows a couple was broken. And we know who broke the peace. It was Kamehameha wanting to conquer Kauai. So Kamehameha did the same thing that Kalaunui did. He literally traced the whole thing except he never made it here. That's the difference. They all made it to Kauai, and we know the result. Whereas Kamehameha never made it to Kauai. First time he tried, as they were coming through the channel, rogue waves came out of nowhere, and about a third just guesstimation of his warriors got swallowed up by the waves. So he had to turn around. Some of his warriors made it here, just a handful. We know what happens. Because we knew that they were coming. Mm-hmm. The Kahuna knew anyway. But, so... Second time he does it, he never get to leave the island. This, and this was a big fleet of warriors. That he, now, he was going to bring ships, cannons, rifles, and we still had our you know, sticks and stones over here. If you do the math, it's a slaughter for Kauai. But cholera sets in at Onawahu. Devastates his warriors. They're 
so much, so many died. Kamehameha himself, himself got cholera, but he was so strong that he, he lived through it. He, 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 he kind of pulled through. But it's on the third attempt, he never, he never got off the ground. But he says to his um, advisors, what must he do? So the bottom line was he must make peace. That, that is the whole gist of that. He had to make peace. That was what he should have done in the very beginning. Because even Kaumualii wanted peace. But guess what? They were always prepared to go to battle, both both sides. And it took years, took years for them to trust each other. I think about five years of sending warriors. Have I told you this part? No. I can tell you one part. Okay, this is pretty cool. So he sends a junior chief. And it's kind of like this. I'm just going to lighten it just a bit. Xavier, grab your canoe. Go to Kauai and tell Kaumu Ali'i we want to start the peace talks. And then junior Ali'i is like, oh, God, I don't want to go <laughs> by myself. They're going to kill me. Get over there. So, you know, he's the junior chief, right? By himself. Well, weeks go by. Xavier is not, he hasn't returned. So guess what? Next one. Yeah, okay. Grab your canoe. Get on there. Go to Kauai. We need to start the peace talks. He doesn't return. Unbelievable. So they finally send the, the big cheese. He sends a ship, one of the captains. Now they're going to come. Let's see what's going to happen now. But anyway, they come to Kauai, and they're being welcomed. Oh, how's it? And who do they see? They see Xavier and Moke. <laughs> Living our best lives. You know that? <laughs> oh, because... I get one wife. Yeah. I get house. They build me one house. I ain't going back to my uncle. He going to throw me under the bus. Yeah. You know, is that kind of scene? So that's Kauai. Just really welcoming. True story, you know. Mm. And, but that went on and on and on and on. And so they finally came to that place of trusting each other. And then they had the peace talks at Pakaka on Oahu. And that was in 1810. Mm. That took place. And... Maybe I shared just a little bit of it real quick. Kaumualii and Kamehameha meet there on the ship. First thing that um, Kaumualii or our king says to Kamehameha was, my island, my people, what's in it is yours. Sort of like that. And Kamehameha says, no, your island, your people, what's in it you keep. And you continue to rule. That part of history, when he said you continue to rule, is unbelievable, you know. Because in the 1400s, when Kukona sent the chief's home, he also said to them, go back to your respective moku or islands and you continue to rule. That was huge. Because he conquered them, Kukona should have been the Ali'inu. He should have been the, the Kamehameha of the time. He believed that everybody should rule their own moku. That's a beautiful thing. That, But in Kamehameha's case, the peace talks was probably the most beautiful thing to not all were in agreement. Because one of his high priests, so the Kahuna Nui, one of them, committed suicide because in his eyes he failed. Failed the battle. Mm. He was a failure. During this whole course of the peace talk, celebration, blah, 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 a guy named Isaac Davis, who was uh, one of two advisors to Kamehameha, befriended Kaumuli, or our king. On the way to a celebration, he says to our king, to Kaumuli, brother, don't. Eat the food. And what did Kaumuali'i do? Got his entourage, gathered them. They came back to Kauai. In history, that night, Isaac Davis dies. Oh. They gave him the food. They gave him mm. Kaumuali'i's food. And we know this. Kamehameha came to this beautiful place. He, only, he wanted peace too. Right? But we know that the plot to kill Kaumuali'i was without his 
he had no knowledge. We know that. We totally know that. He, he came to that place already, like, okay, let's just malama each other, right? Let's care for each other. A lot of his warriors, you know, in their eyes, they, they failed. They never conquered. So, they, you know, it's like, eh, you guys never beat Punahou yet? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those kind of situations. So I think it's important to note, and I, I, it was, I lightened it up a bit. But the key was, yes, we are the unconquered island, but we don't boast. It's, it's just history. Mm-hmm. We share history because Kamehameha, Kaumuali'i, Kokona, they're all connected. They're all tied into each other for generations, you know, through the royal line, generations. They just marry each other. I'm going to stop right there. No, that's Because all there's that. a lot I can share. That's why we're going, we're going Hanaho and we're going to keep. Yeah. Keep. Oh. That, that's why we would probably okay. have you on again. Yeah, if you like, her. we're down. Oh no! Absolutely, and there's there's a lot of stuff to share. No, that's the thing. Is yes, because today we just wanted to kind of like introduce you and oh, and then get you. these stories and kind of what you do, you know. Yeah. Um, at Kauai Museum and um, sure. Kind of give people a little bit one one taste, you know. I, I mean, like you said, it's it's endless. The stories can go. I think there's like. I can next time, okay. You want me next time? We can go into the surfing stories and stuff. Oh, I mean, we can go in. Right. Yeah. Surfing stories kill. Yes. So yeah. I'm going to take you back to the 1400s too on that one. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> that kind of surfboard is be, uh, this yeah. thick, huh? Oh, no. I'm going to talk about on Wahini, one Wahini Koa, they call her. Oh, Kelea. Kelea was her name. Kelea. Oh, not only beautiful, she could surf. <laughs> Bruh, the double threat. Talking about Kilea and how all the surfing industry changed. Mm-hmm. Time, good stories, and where, where, who introduced surfing outside of Hawaii? You're gonna be surprised. Oh, well, and we're gonna leave them on cliffhanger like that yeah. Yeah. because for those of you at home, <laughs> tune in, tune in to um, Chucky Boy's next appearance on How's This yes. podcast. Chucky, I just wanna um, honestly, bro, thank you so much for taking the time and. You know, yeah, coming to, you, into our you. space and sharing knowledge and, you know, for the people at home well, and for me. I, I don't deserve to be here. It's an old dinosaur dude. but And I apologize for, I don't know how we got into the music thing, but that was just part of my life, too. No, so, no, yes. but it's good. It's important. Yeah. Because yeah, they get choked stories. <laughs> good. 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 Because we get choked cameras ready for yeah. capture. <laughs> No, but again, um, yeah, Chucky Boy, thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for, oh, for coming. We appreciate on. it. Thank oh, you. yeah. But everybody, um, thank you so much for tuning in um, oh. to another episode of Houses Podcast. For those of you tuning in from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, it doesn't matter. It's all love. We really appreciate you guys. And um, I just want to give a special shout out to all of my Patreon members. We wouldn't be here without you guys. And again, one more round of applause for brother Chucky Boy. <laughs> Chalk. Yay. Thank you so much, Fa. Uh, thank you. Yee-hee. I I I just hope it is fine with you guys. Oh, no, that's, that's awesome. That's cherry. Yeah.